right, welcome back. Episode 43 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Max, aka Cards Max, aka Cards Max, RIP opening day, and welcome Sonic Edition. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I was enlightened to the fact that Topps Chrome Sonic and Topps Chrome Regular are, in fact, different base cards due to the side that they're put that they put the tops logo tops chrome logo and the rookie card logo on so i'm blessed that this is not just a reduced reused recycled composting type of ordeal but we have slightly different nuances in the cards which i am happy with oh i am the opposite of happy so if you missed this tops chrome sonic came out in the packs it was kind of like a uh what was the other came out, came out on the 24th but we just where it was recently discovered that in the difference in the stock and the printing. Yeah. So they put out logo fractor edition like last year now, and those had the same base cards as normal tops Chrome. So when tops Chrome Sonic came out, everyone assumed that the base cards would be just like the logo fractors where they would be the same as the normal tops Chrome cards. But as you pointed out, Max, they put the tops Chrome logo on the other side of the card for Sonic base cards, just to annoy the shit out of me and confuse people for no reason. But you know what they say about like assumptions, right? Like Tops Chrome logo fractors weren't ever like a standalone product. This is a configuration of Tops Chrome. Tops Chrome Sonic was always its own product. But I think this reminds me of like 2018 factory sets of Tops where Acuna and Glaber have the exact same images as their update rookie cards. But the rookie card logo is on the opposite side of the card. It's on the left side instead of the right side or vice versa. And this is just giving me a little bit throwback to that. I think it's lazy by Tops. Don't get me wrong. And I think Tops is scamming people figuratively, not literally, but the metaphorical scam that happens in our minds when we trip on LSD. But you hear my point. I mean, I guess I hear your point, but I do agree Tops just being lazy uh, not doing enough quality checking, clearly, as usual. Um, Julio Rodriguez gets yet another rookie card that has the flagship-looking design. So shout-out Tops for putting out 45 different Julio Rodriguez rookie card to flagship rookie cards this year. You guys are truly an incredible company. Um, but Max, in good news, I had fun this weekend. I was in a car- I was at a card show in Shiprawana, Indiana. Yeah, uh, first time in like two months. I know, for real. If you've been listening to this podcast, uh, you know that I've been been to that show a few times. Uh, this this time, I brought some cards to trade night. Trade night's really fun. It's always like, it's literally at the same venue as the show, but you can just, it's just free tables. So if a table's open, you can just set up shop. Uh, if you want to pick up and walk around, you can just pack up your stuff, walk around. Um, it's really fun. Max, trade night was insane because there was a huge blizzard. Like the biggest blizzard I have ever experienced in my entire life was the night of trade night. Was trade night Friday night or Saturday night? Friday night. So the okay. lights kept flickering on and off in the venue, <laughs> but everyone would break out their flashlights. And it was like, it was one of the coolest things ever because there's like 300 people there at trade night. I was going to say, I feel like that just means there's possible higher possibility of theft. Yeah, but like- here's, here's the thing about the Shipshawana show is that everyone who goes to that show has been to that show multiple times or like, is a dealer at the show. Yeah, so exactly. Th- there's some there's some built-in uh, social checking. Yeah, and I think there's that aspect of cards in general where like, there is such a high level of mutual trust between almost all parties, unless you are just an Instagrammer under the age of 13. 
exactly. But uh, I was talking with my friend Jake, who was at the, the trade night with me, and he was like, any other show, I would be a little bit nervous about the lights going out, but at Ship Shawana, not worried at all. Um, but it was cool. Um, Card Collector 2 was walking around with his camera people. Uh, and uh, Aaron from Slapstocks was also there. So it seemed like it had a little bit of that influencer vibe to it. But um, it's always a small town show where I love it because you can find a lot of cards in the one to like $100 range, raw cards. Um, so that's kind of what I was picking up and what I was looking for. But show was fun. Stayed over Friday night. Saturday was the show. Um, walked around the show the whole time. Filmed a little video that I'll be putting out uh, probably tomorrow. So if you want to watch my journey through the Shipshawana card show, check out uh, check out my YouTube tomorrow. I'll be putting out a video and I'll be putting it on the Young Old Head story so you can check it out. But really fun show. Met, you know, linked up with some of my old homies that I've met at the Midwest shows throughout the years. Um, so that was fun. Felt a little bit like Cards Max, you know, bouncing, traveling to a show. Uh, making deals. I think I spent a total of like 135 bucks and I sold 55 bucks of cards. So it was like a net 80 buck adventure for me. Uh, so I, so you spent $130 across multiple tables, value boxes, or just on one value box? Uh, I think I made like, I think I had six or seven different tables I bought a card from. So it was definitely a lot of me like digging through bins. The good thing about Ship Shawana is that like everyone kind of has a value bin. And there's a lot of big dealers who bring their value bins like to ship Shawana who might not bring value bins to like bigger shows because they're trying to move bigger cards. So I love that because that means that these people have kind of like fresh inventory that people might have not picked through before, um, which I'm always a big fan of. There's a guy, you know, Henry Reynolds cards on Twitter. Yeah, I know. Uh, he He's a dealer, Midwest dealer who sets up a lot. He has like the dankest cards, like super high end stuff, but he, I talked to him after the show and he was like, yeah, it was actually a good show for me. Like usually I'm over a hundred thousand dollar cards is like kind of my game, but even at a show like this, where it's mostly like 50, hundred dollar stuff, uh, he still had a good, good show for someone with that. So, you know, you get a lot of those sort of dealers who are big dealers in the Midwest who go to ship Shawana knowing that the market and the people who are walking around are not the Zion briefcase holding, uh, influencer type people usually, but it's mostly like kids, families, and like people like me who are buying low end stuff. So I think that's kind of why card collector two's always been going to the show is because he really likes the low end deals that you can make there. Um, but if anyone's ever in the Midwest and you're looking to go to a cool show and like a unique experience, I definitely recommend ship Shawana. very welcoming environment for a show. Um, the facilities are a little bit of a barn situation. So if you're looking for, you know, multiple urinals, don't go to ship Shawana. <laughs> What was the big clay that you bought? Um, so clays are few and far between, but this guy had a, a couple value bins of like some rare, like revolution numbered stuff. A lot of like numbered optic inserts and base cards of random guys. So I dug through that. I found a, a cosmic revolution. I think we talked about revolution a little bit, Max, when we did that basketball card episode, but yeah. Cosmic out of a hundred is usually one of the most popular in demand revolution parallels found a clay for like seven bucks of that easy money. Uh, and then I found like a, you know, the reigning threes inserts in optic max. Yes. The reigning threes kind of an underwhelming parallel or insert most of the time, but I found a blue optic out of 49, uh, highlights from the trade night. I ran into this guy who's like the ultimate Steph Curry collector who has like all his blue optic parallels and PSA 10s and most of them are pop ones so it's like super randomly ran into this dude who just has some of the coolest Steph Curry cards but 
I talk about this in my video that I'm going to put out, but Shipshawana is interesting for me as someone who's collecting West Coast cards because, you know, I've been traveling around the country for shows the last like year plus. And what I've realized is that I am kind of in a dead zone for the teams that I'm collecting out here. But that can be a good and bad thing. Like most of the time, people just don't bring their San Francisco Giants and their Golden State Warriors cards to Shipshawana, Indiana, because that's not really where people are buying those cards. Um, so it kind of goes that way. But then there's also the other side where like, I might be the only buyer in the entire show for this Clay Thompson card. So you're either going to sell it to me at whatever I'm offering, or you're probably not going to sell it. So it's like a win-lose situation. You you get that, Max? Yeah. I mean, you know I'm a hardball. You know I love leverage. And the leverage is always in the hands of the, buyer, the value box buyer, whether that's a bulk deal or that's a single. We oh, both parties know that either neither party ultimately cares about the card or the buyer cares about the card, but the card is easily replaceable on eBay or buying another card of that equivalent from a different player, most of from a different dealer most of the time. So use your leverage, look them firm in the eye and tell them no, and make them crawl to give you your way. I feel like that's part of the fun of negotiating. Yeah, and cash is always king. So if you have a $10 bill and the card has a $20 price tag, the person probably is going to take your $10 bill for it because that's cash money. Uh, I had a good conversation with this guy who sets up at Shipshawana and Shipshawana is like the only show he sets up in all year. He'll set up that. Like, I think it's every few months they have a Shipshawana show and he always has raw kind of low end stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'll put five $10 cards in my $1 bin because I know I have to sell those on eBay and the amount of time and energy that it goes into selling a three, $5 card on eBay. I'd rather just sell it for a dollar at the show. And he said he killed it because he had like a lot of really good value bins and stuff like that. So that's kind of the vibe of the show, you know, and kind of the attitude of most of the, the dealers that aren't like these super big Midwest dealers. They also have sprinkled in these kind of like local guys who just kind of rip packs, buy cards on eBay, and this is their outlet to liquidate in person. And it's kind of like their only opportunity to. So mm-hmm. I've these dealers are kind of there every time. So now that I've been to the show a few times, I'm kind of like, oh, I know. I remember you have good bins. I'll go to your bins. Um, a lot of playing the field, a lot of like walking around, uh, trying to, you know, rem- see dealers that I bought from before. If I see a new dealer, I'll check out their table, but did not buy a single card over $20 all week. Um, I was kind of, I wanted to, but just nothing really caught my attention in the $100 range. So that was yeah, the lucky value collector TV sports cards. Um, real quick about that $500 card I bought or found in the dollar bin. Uh, I am going to give the card back to the dealer. Mainly because he's such a big dealer and such a good guy that I know that if I give this back to him, he's going to hook it up in the future. Is that a good or bad decision you think, though, Max? Um, my rule or my, I guess, principle that I keep in my head is that if the card was intended to be in the value box, then it's fair game. If the car was obviously not intended to be in the value box, I think ethics and morals would say, okay, you have to return it back. Like if you see, I think I've used this example before. If you see like a Jackson Churio first Bowman Chrome auto in the dollar bin and all the rest of the shoe box is like retail prism parallels, then, and the dealer says like, Hey, like that wasn't meant to be for the dollar bin. I don't think it's ethically. You can say, Oh, but it was in the dollar bin. I want it for a dollar or even, you know, with even without the dealer's intervention, I feel like you got to, act up a little bit regardless yeah um but 
if it's an obscure mid 2010s insert that the dealer intentionally isn't researching or doesn't want any involvement with, that's when it's it's fair game to take it out. Yeah, I agree. I'm mainly just giving it back because I know this dealer has the dankest cards on earth and he hooks it up for me. And like, yeah. um, he, he proposed that I sell it and we split the money. But honestly, I just don't want to deal with selling like that expensive a card on eBay and have to deal with the tax implications of that. So I'm have stopping. you thought of just, I mean, the card sells for like a hundred bucks. Have you thought of just trading him or like trading bid back to him for like 200, a $200 card? Yeah, that's what, that's probably what I'll end up happening. You know, and like he stacks me up gold cups. And I'll usually yeah. purchase them from him, but I'm sure. Yeah, so he's like a homie. Yeah, he's a homie. So yeah, I know. I I keep talking about this sometimes. I don't think I've said it on the pod, incidentally enough. But there was a value box deal that I bought back in January. It was I think three hundred bucks for three hundred twenty-five cards or something like that. And it was almost. I think there was like it was half like tops junky numbered parallels, and the other half was Panini autos and relics with some numbered in it. And in, so I'm into this for like 97 cents per card. And there was a 2021 Onyx auto of Fernand Celestin, I think is his name. And he was the number one ranked international prospect for the most recent January signing class. And I bought this lot in January. So his cards like rocketed as soon as I bought the slot. And I didn't even know, who he was. like, I didn't recognize his card until I was pricing everything. And I see, wait, why is those available a hundred bucks? This doesn't make sense. But in that situation, it's like, okay, the dealer, I know in this situation, the dealer just wanted this stuff gone. He was thrilled anyone was even offering $300 cash for this lot. And in you doing the dirty work and the laundry of listing it to eBay, if you find something that really is a big card in that lot, that's to your benefit because it's what the dealer intentionally didn't want to look up and research. Yeah. I uh, I priced out a bunch of my own cards for the show because trade night, you know, you can kind of set up and do your own dealing and stuff. So I sold some cards, but one of the cards I sold was a red, white, and blue Matt McClung Prism draft picks that I pulled like a year ago. And I got, I think, 60 bucks for it, which was, I was ecstatic. But that's a m- much lower level example of what you're talking about. When oh, that's you- huge. I, um, I had a, I mean, I am late to the party, but I had a, think 150 200 prism color parallels that i bought in like november or december and i just searched them to see if i had a cam thomas parallel of prism and i did not damn that's tough uh cam thomas all right the the bubble i love the like extreme bubble example of him uh what have you been up to though max what have you been up to in the last week well what have i been up to tommy what have i been up to this past week um no card show this week i don't I went to Terrytown last week. I think last week was Terrytown. And I have uh, Philly this upcoming weekend, seven days from now, and Chicago show the weekend after that. Tommy's pumping his fist in the air. So card show break this weekend. I didn't go to any of my local shows. I haven't even been transacting much online. I mean, I don't want to spoil the end of the episode, but I don't have any eBay purchases this week. I've been buying and selling a little bit. Um... Tommy, I feel like what you're suggesting is the Ty Cobb that I traded out of that we touched a little bit on last week. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I wonder how we guessed that. But the deal is finalized. I want to shout out Logan's League for helping middleman the trade. And I posted the 
trade hall on Twitter. And I got massacred in the replies, appropriately so, um, because I traded for 20 different bulk, in quotes, cards for a grail piece for some collectors, including the collector I was trading it to. And shout out Veriswap for having extremely high fees and for us not doing the deal on that platform. Shout out platforms where you can link up with people and then move it off platform. Uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, Veriswap, lower your fees or else no one's ever going to use you. Max, you're about to get kicked off Veriswap after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. All all two employees of Veriswap uh, company are listening to this podcast. <laughs> That's like low key. I mean, awesome. our reach is pretty impressive, but I don't think we have the entire Veriswap office tapped in. I love that we kind of had this bit. That, was, that was all a joke. I love that we have this bit where like no one listens to the podcast, but now that people actually do listen to the podcast, we're going to like accidentally start talking shit about someone who is, you know, actually listening, but I hope oh, we know. Oh yeah, for sure. No, all of that was a joke. <laughs> all that all was irony, bro. All was irony. Um, yeah, no, I was, uh, I was talking with my accountant or no, or my dad's accountant. I went to, you know, the accountant with him so that I could have a tax strategy. But there is like there are a lot of hypotheticals, and that's part of the fun of that type of stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. I need yeah. to do my I need to do my taxes. Good reminder. Yeah. Um, nerds. I didn't really find anything too cool, Max, this weekend to talk about. Like in a like as I got the deal on this sort of way. I did have oh, one. What do you think of the the Ty Cobb the deal? Oh, yeah. Now that you can visualize the cards that I got back. Yeah. Wait. Did you didn't you didn't say any of the cards you got back yet? Right. Um, I said some of the highlights, but I think you did last week. You said some of the highlights last no, week. No, but I'm right? saying now that you can, you, did you see the full picture of the hall? You just texted it to me. No, I tweeted it. Keith Olbermann responded. Keith Olbermann responded. Yeah. What? Wait. All right. I'll go. I'll, I'll go find this while I keep talking though. Okay. Uh, talk, talk, talk. Um, so I was 20 cards in total with three freebies. Um, the biggest card in the deal Ooh. was a Beckett vintage four um 1954 bowman mickey mantle um i feel like someone who's completely uneducated and that i just learned like two weeks ago that mickey mantle did not have tops cards in 1954 and 1955 and that bowman signed him exclusively in 54 55 and in 56 tops brought out bowman so they acquired the mantle rights in that Oh my God, dude. I can't believe. All right. So Keith Olbermann responded to Max's tweet about this trade. And he said, some modern junk plus off condition mantle and Teddy for a cop? Question mark. This is from Keith Olbermann. Max goes, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. No they response from Keith Olbermann to that. But of course, your favorite person. <laughs> can, I, can I out this, per this person yeah. that you don't like responds, Cobb all day, every day. Sweet trade. Um, Keith Olbermann, please follow me back. That's like your biggest annoyance, I feel like, is this person trying to use your... Oh, I don't have anything with that person badly, personally. I just, I thought that was a little bit of a funny tweet. Yeah, no, it's always funny when no one likes a tweet, you know, not a single person. Yeah, like, but um, no, That's that was a little cool. funny. Um, Keith Olbermann was making some dents into ratioing me, but wasn't successful. Um, although the responses overwhelmingly supported the Cobb side, and... Hey, I'm glad I was able to get a big card into a collector's home. That's a classic ignorance case, though, where like no one 
you have these all these ways of liquidating cards and like that lot is actually probably easier for you to make money on than the one cob card but we have all these collectors and wannabe collectors out there who are like oh I'd rather have the cob. no shit you'd rather have the cob than 20 cards but you're not a dealer you know yeah and even like some dealers you know i'm gonna poke a little bit fun of at rohan side mafia sports who was saying oh yeah you got it for that haul that's not enough haul and I'm, and even i got i think a dm saying oh yeah those are you know those cards you got back are like a used car and i'm like my brother in christ if you can't move a luka Doncic base psa 10 then you got you got some bigger fish you got some bigger kahunas to fry that's for sure but no, that's not any that's not any personal side of anyone. But that's at least a rationale when I'm making this deal. It's like, okay, this is stuff that I can move at 90% comps or set a new comp because I'm, you know, being adept at eBay and knowing good SEO and knowing good advertising helps you. We overviewed that last episode to an extent. And the getting the value out of the deal is what makes sense. I, yeah, and I'm not trying to hate on anyone individually, but I think that mo everyone looks at these trades as like, oh, would I do this trade? But you're not Cardsmax. Cardsmax grinds and has a lot of ways that he sells cards. You are you, and you probably are not making these sort of big deals. Well, uh, that is a little flattering, but look, you just got to be vehement and list everywhere. And really, if the value the value makes sense, it's I think I was getting approximately um about 30 percent higher in trade than what i paid for in cash on the cob give or you know so I, it was uh, and also pretty much every single card in that lot is 75 bucks or higher and i want to say at least half of them are like 300 bucks and higher so the the picture looks worse than it actually is which i think is a little bit funny yeah but I, I stand by it. I stand by my defense of cards max on this trade. Oh, we should do Fuck a you, Keith Olbermann. <laughs> yeah. Um, max, that was fun. I like hearing about your deals, but I think we should just close it out. Keep it short and sweet this week because I'm working on this video and I want to get back to it. Yeah. And I talk about the, a few cards I bought real quick and then you can do a rant about whatever you want. I think this is a short week this week. Um, I've just been grinding. I've been grinding eBay for the most part. Um, I've been doing like case studies of like lots of different stores on eBay and or stores that I these view as successful. And I'm trying to like both from like a peer to peer level of like peers that I know that grind eBay and as well as like some of the bigger stores on eBay. And I'm trying to look at how many uploads they do in a day. Like I looked at Burbank and they did about 2000, I think I approximated like 2,190 uploads for the one day sample I was looking at. And while some of the other smaller stores that are friends or other dealers per se, you know, I hate using that term, but they're like friend dealers were doing like 20 to 40, some doing like 75. And I realized, I've recognized the rationale of like, okay, if I can do 50 uploads a day, then like I am of, I can like slaughter almost everyone if I can do that consistently which is difficult but that's what, like the bar that i'm trying to keep at least while i have this free time in the short term but it doesn't take if i'm good at my ebaying i can do about a listing a minute before factoring in the time it takes to take pictures and i think just doing that a little bit a day helps your algo i've been getting some sales and all is good if you just clear the cards out of your closet
I love how competitive you are with listing on eBay, Max. How like you get yourself in these like mini competitions with people about how many cards you can list in a day and that sort of stuff. I feel like that does that keep you like fresh? You think like comparison is a thief of joy, you know. But ultimately, like you know, I try to be ambitious in everything. You know, I feel like I mean, even reflecting in life in general, some of those dimensions that I've been competitive in have been lacking. Or I think motivation is. Sorry, Mister Two Star Reviewer, motivation is bullshit. And you just have your framework of mind and how you attack the day, no matter what. But at least reflecting on myself, I've, I'm like disappointed in how my motivation for certain things has been attributed. But apropos of that, making sure you have the, a little bit of a joking word, hunger, making sure you have the ambition, the veracity to conquer anything in life is important. And if you're not giving it your all, then why bother? So that's just one dimension, at least a dimension while that I enjoy because it's cards, there's analytics and numbers, it's starting rags to riches, which I think is an underdog type theme that human beings naturally gravitate to, myself included. I'm a human being, I'm a real human being. So eBaying is just another fun way of turning, of trying to get, and I very much, one of my favorite tweets that I do most days is the eBay outgoing nail. And I think the other day I had like a bunch of like, garbage i on my desk and then i had like a luca hollow beckett 95 and then an anthony volpe psc 10 green auto which technically wasn't an ebay sale but he reached out because he saw my ebay listing so i count that and it's like okay this is just a colossal range i try to make it unfiltered i try to make it cards and i like giving i both i like giving people the preview of what's on my desk to go out in the mail almost entirely because i love seeing that from other people and i guess i like to give people a taste of what i do and provide more of that content in this i hate that word content but more that you know like you know con ability to consume that in this sphere because every it feels like everyone who is like legit a beast and an animal on ebay it just is not seen in the social media aspect of the hobby it is entirely seen in like old head lcs's and underground like behind the scenes business logs that just don't see the light of day, but do still very well exist. I Your outgoing eBay mail tweet is like my favorite thing, I think, that is on Twitter these days in the hobby. Like seeing what sort of stuff people are buying from your store is always fascinating to me. So as, even as someone who talks to you all the time about cards, it's still super fun for me to like tune in and see, oh, dang, you moved that one? Good shit. Like that's dope. Yeah. Uh, and like I try to... I try not to include the Twitter. I, mean, I try not to include the Twitter stuff because then it's just like a weird flex because people that see me sell a card on Twitter like also would not know that I'm like mailing it. But um, and the my side just in order to keep it like specific to eBay or sometimes I label it like eBay PWE sales, which means I have probably had some slabs that I probably posted a bit too much about and I don't want it to take the spotlight away from the image. And I do like having people like guess like what the value is of the picture i think that's always a fun game that's what i try to do i try to add up like how much i think you made in the day or whatever that's yeah what I do. someone else um had me guess the value of their picture of their outgoing and i guessed 60 dollars. it was actually 70 dollars, and i'm like i'm on my game i know my stuff I, uh, I didn't, when I was pricing out my cards for Ship Shawana, I just did not comp a single thing. I was just like, if I'm low on this, I just aired on the side of low. And I was like, I just want to move it. So I was oh, like, and exactly. that's what I want to capitalize on when I'm buying. It's like, okay, I know the, I know what I can get 
out of some of these cards. And some of the cards like genuinely surprised me. Like on I'm looking at the most recent, not to know to my own horn way. I'm looking at the most recent like outgoing eBay mail. I had a Danny Santana Donruss 2022 red auto to 49 from the 1988 retro insert set. Yeah, I have to do that amount of research on a parallel. Like when I'm grinding these listings, I literally have cardboard connection open for Panini Baseball. And it is like mind-bumbingly boring, but now I know some of the parallels. But out of 49, veteran auto of Danny Santana. Um, it's sold via promoted listing. It sold for $12.49, which like shocked me because I'm like, wow, I'm going to put this here and it's going to sit forever. Sold immediately. And then I noticed it's sold by promoted listings. I had Red Sox in the title and I saw that like Danny Santana has like zero Red Sox autos. And he, even in general, he has not had like an auto card in forever outside of that 2022 Donra set. Not that it's like a coveted thing. It's not like, okay, buy your Danny Santana autos. But I'm looking at it right now. I don't think he's had an auto since 2015. Never doubt the commitment. He was, an, he was a rookie in 2014. Auto collectors will always know what, like, the only card of this jersey in this jersey autoed is for a player. I feel like the auto dudes grind like nobody else. Yeah, so it completely surprised me. Oh, and I see just now this on the same day another one sold for seven dollars ten cents. So I got my twelve fifty. Thank you very much. Hell for yeah, not having guest offers on. But like that was just a card that even like surprises me when I sold it, and I'm like that wasn't the same. Like I got that card for ninety seven cents. If I were buying in bulk, I don't know. And that's also a card where it's like I wouldn't really want to touch it if it's not like a dollar or two. Yeah. Well, this has been a good episode, Max. I'm gonna cut us off uh, real quick. Since we don't really have any eBay buys, we were at shows, et cetera. Um, I will be putting in my two weeks notice at LEDX on Tuesday because I got a new job. Uh, I got a really cool job offer that I'll be talking about more next week. But just letting everyone know I'm going to be departing from the card collecting industry for just a little, for a little bit, uh, starting a new job that I'm super duper excited about that I never would have gotten if I didn't have my experience at LEDX, helping grow that brand and everything and start it. Um, but if anyone wants to reach out and wants to talk about that, feel free to reach out. But me and Max will be talking more about this uh, next week and the week after when he's in Chicago, when we're going to be doing a little Young Old Heads vlog from, live from the Chicago Spectacular. That'll be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, very, very ex happy and excited about this new job opportunity. Uh, nothing but love for Ludex and the stuff that we got to do there. And uh, yeah. I will know more next week, so I will be down to disclose more information. But just wanted to let all the all the mini listeners that we have, Max, know yes. since they've been following along on my kind of journey in life for both of us in the last year. So sure uh, that I can corrupt you into being involved in cards in as high of a scope as possible from an enjoyment standpoint. Get make sure that you're in, involved not just in flipping, but because you hate flipping. Flipping is for the devils. No. Yes. But, um, <laughs> no, but I'm excited. I'm going to have more time to like devote all my card content energy towards young old heads and my own, my own accounts. And uh, looking forward to help to do more stuff with young old heads in the next year. Yeah. And uh, maybe doing some my own YouTube stuff too, if I have time, but yeah. Um, yeah. So are you telling me you're being a full-time YouTuber? <laughs> maybe in 10 years. The goal with this next job, Max, is 
make the world a better place, make a lot of money, and then be able to just spend the rest of my life making card YouTube content and podcast content with you. That's the goal. Aww. Um, have you ever thought of owning a card shop ever? No. Maybe if I, if I had infinite dispensable income, that'd be fun. But yeah, not I, my answer for that question. Cause some, you know, I guess peers and in general, like other people sometimes ask me, it's like, if I'm like 60 to 65 and I'm like retired, then yeah, that just seems like so fun. Like with like the money is settled and it's like, I've already enjoyed my career that I can hang up on in a more stressless atmosphere Then yeah, that's just like such a fun thing to enjoy. But outside of that, no. And it just kind of gave me the epiphany that um, Jimmy from Kentucky Rojo, who I personally have never interacted with, but seems like a great guy. I was just said he did that. <laughs> that he started his card shop after most of his career was over and that he did that later in his life. It makes me feel like a young buck that I'm 23, but yeah. I know the age climbs quickly. Exactly. So, um, oh, can I have one last antidote because it yeah. is a little fun. Um, I'm like, I'm currently like investigating buying a car for like personal and work use and are buying, you know, a different car than I was using before. And I was looking at, you know, I'm like, okay, how's like the best way to like buy a car? I'm looking at all these articles and they're all like Fugazi articles. They're like, oh, make sure you don't get in debt and like, make sure you like pay your loan balance on time. I'm like, okay, great. But that like tells me nothing about cars. It's like, I want to learn about cars. So I Googled because the amount of times that I like in real life and oh, you flip cars. It's like, no, I flip cards with a D. So I'm like, okay, car flipping. I got to go Google that. And I'm seeing like all these do-it-yourself channels and it's like all these different ways to diagnose problems in a car, and, like all these ways to find value and like check the cops or else the Kelly Blue Book. And I found it both like entertaining and it's like, oh wow, this stuff is like actually like just a market, just like anything else. And on my to-do list is to watch more Antiques Roadshow. Uh, it's a show that I haven't watched much of, but my parents love it. And I love my parents, obviously. Not even unobviously. I love my parents in all facets, but um, Antiques Roadshow, I have to watch that on my own a little bit just because I think the valuation of anything is inherently interesting and comparatively seeing the scarcity of something that's the value of something is different, whether it's put on auction or whether it's the comp book value or it's the Facebook marketplace buying the clunker car that can, needs to be you know, wire cabled in order to start. All that stuff is inherently interesting. And it's not just exclusive to cards. I just love cards most. Cards is just my favorite child. My favorite thing is to like take economic things that I have either read about in other markets and then take it to the card world or vice versa. Uh, very fun thing, especially as someone who studied econ in college and stuff. But Max, it's been a good episode. Episode 43. Can't believe we made it 43 freaking episodes. Dude, that's insane. <laughs> that's nine episodes from a year. What are we going to do for the year-long celebration? I don't know. We'll have to figure something out. But thanks for thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, this has been a fun one. As always, reach out to us on social media if you want to talk cards during the week. We're always game. Uh, Max, any parting thoughts for the homies? Buy the card, not the grade. Bang. See you guys next week. Peace out.